Welcome back. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio. And if you're coming from our favorite censorship platform, YouTube, you know that we've been apologizing on there for having a previous guest named Dr. Rima Labo on, <laughs> who's a conspiracy theorist and a terrible person. And the only way you want to get around the protection of having to listen to her is go to one of the other platforms that are not as advanced as YouTube and are not protecting us as well. And last time we did that, she was explaining to us how... WHO, the World Holocaust Organization, if I'm getting that right, is in the process of um, some really nasty stuff to humanity and the whole biosphere. And we got really amazing feedback and uh, sharing from that show. And so wanted to let you know that Dr. Rima got invited to a meeting of high-level freedom leaders in Southern California recently, the American Freedom Alliance. And if you missed that... This is your chance to hear what it was about, what took place. It was really important, and it has to do with what's going on in the world right now that affects your life, even if you ignore it. Um, so taking a quick hour here with Dr. Rima, who took time out of her schedule to be here, let's see if we can get a, a special post-show view of what went on at the American Freedom Alliance in Southern California. Welcome, Dr. Label. Thanks for Thank being you here. so much. It's always such a pleasure to be here with you. And it's my pleasure to share what I learned because I thought I understood kind of where we were and right. how we got there. And I found out that I was wrong because when I started asking the question, how did this happen? How is it that every country in the world has subscribed to giving away its sovereignty, they're about to do that, has subscribed to depopulating itself and enslaving itself. How is it that every medical system in the world has not said, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. We don't have a pandemic. The only thing we've got is the the doctor-induced iatrogenocide of the supposed treatment for the pandemic that we never had. How did all that happen? So I started studying it. And I surprised myself with what I learned. And that's what I shared at the American Freedom Alliance and what I'll be happy to share with, with your listeners and, and yeah. watchers. Sounds great. We'll make it into a presentation plus discussion. It should be great. Time's going to go real fast. So I'll let you get started here. Okay. I'm going to share my screen and get here, God willing. And. Put us in the corner. Can you see my slide? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. Good color. So, WHO, 
the World Holocaust Organization. It's an all-American Death Star. How did we get there? And why is this not working? Here it is. Okay, I'm a doctor, so I'm going to think about these things in the way a doctor thinks about a problem. I look at the symptoms. I try to find a diagnosis. I look at where it came from, the etiology. I look at the damage that it's causing that causes all those symptoms. I look for a treatment. And then finally, even though conventional medical physicians, allopathic doctors aren't really interested in curing anything, I look for a cure. Now, one of the great teachers for all of us who want to win a struggle is Sun Tzu. More than 3,000 years ago, this dude really understood war. And we are certainly in a war. He said, strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. But tactics without strategy, just running around and doing things without knowing why you're doing them, is the noise before defeat. So for me, having looked at the situation that we're facing, I have one strategic goal. And that's all you get. You get one strategic goal. Exit the WHO, because it is the mechanism of total global conquest. And now it's constituting itself through the international health regulations to be a legal authority. And all world power will be vested in one central person, the director general or dictator general of the World Health Organization, unelected, appointed chosen by God knows whom and capable of doing anything with no one able to stop him or her. Quick quick question about that, Dr. Rima. It seems that um, WHO puts a common criminal with high standing in the world in charge of the WHO. Do we have any idea who's making up the carefully crafted orders that he's following? Oh, we have some ideas, but he's not a common criminal. He's an elevated, extremely practiced criminal who is himself, this is Tedros, but it could be anybody in that seat, uh, who was responsible for the death of well in excess of a million uh, Ethiopians through a practiced and careful genocide when he was the minister of health of that country. Um, Some people say it's because he's a CCP tool. I don't think so. I think the CCP is itself a tool of somebody else. And we'll talk a little about that later. But do I know for sure? Nope. So for me, I have exactly one strategic focus, and I have a simple tactical focus. And I say to all of you, no matter what you're interested in, whether it's informed consent or whether it's um, uh political electioneering and corruption, or whether it's uh, uh, pollution, whatever it is, fighting any other battle other than getting WHO out of our lives is a massive error until wherever you live is out of WHO and all of the related structures, including the international health regulations and the United Nations, because otherwise you are asking to be depopulated, and enslaved through transhumanism and other horrible methods. This is my husband, Major General Albert N. Stubblebine III, U.S. Army, who was murdered in 2017. 
This is actually not my husband. This is a picture of my husband, but you know what I mean. And before he died, this beautiful, remarkable, exquisite human being said, informed consent is the defining issue of the 21st century, and it most certainly is. So he and I closed our practice of drug-free medicine and psychiatry in 2004 because we knew that the body politic was very sick, and we needed to treat the body politic rather than the individual bodies of people in a conventional medical way. This is what we think of as the body politic. Lots of people coming together, exposing ideas, having having uh, uh, things happen because of that. But that's not actually what I believe the body politic really is. It's this. If we don't say this and manifest this, then we will be enslaved and disposed of at the whim of the enslavers. The body politic is ill, and that illness may be terminal. It comes from outside, not inside the body politic, and it's touching every single aspect and system of the body politic. Every aspect of your life is up for grabs and destruction if we don't get rid of this monster. Regular medicine, conventional medicine, common medicine, allopathic medicine suppresses symptoms. That's all they do. And you might be a little bit more comfortable during that period, but it's not going to keep it from killing you if it's a terminal disease. In my mind, only using a strategic <laughs> symptom systems approach so that you identify and focus on what's really causing the problem allows you to cure what's really causing the problem and therefore treat the problem and cure the problem. Now, the meeting at which I spoke was called World War III, The Early Years. And initially, I thought that was a completely brilliant title until I realized that it was wrong. It's not the early years. It's the final years. Because we are facing a Death Star designed to destroy the planet. And that Death Star is run by the United Nations. And it is implemented by the World Health Organization. And between them, they have in mind the absolute destruction of everything that you think couldn't possibly be destroyed, including you. So, how does that work? Well, there's the World Health Organization bent on destroying us through something called Agenda 2030 and One Health and all its other hideous programs. And that is run by the United Nations, which is behind it. And that is run by the Bank for International Settlements, the rest of the financial system, which is behind that. Well, what's behind that? The top-level globalist destroyers, I don't know. I have some suspicions, but whatever it is, the only one that we can actually reach right now is the World Health Organization, and then immediately thereafter, the United Nations. We are faced with lots and lots of different octopi. There are uh, national octopi with many problems. There are um, uh, intelligence octopi and health octopi. And when you start looking at them, every tentacle has a serious problem, which is worthy of dealing with. 
So you can deal with one problem or another problem or another problem or another problem. But Sun Tzu tells us in war, the way is to avoid what is strong and strike at what is weak, which means we put our strength against their weakness and our strength, our numbers must go against their weakness, the organizational reality that is the WHO. It is membership by your country, wherever you live, in the WHO that allows all this to happen. And therefore, it is essential that you use your efforts to develop the political will necessary to get the hell out of WHO, which actually is a pretty simple process once you force the politicians to do it. Now, every single dictator, from Caligula to Vlad the Impaler to Hitler and Mao and Stalin and and Putin, every single dictator wants the same thing. Every one of them wants unlimited dominance. They want power, wealth, adulation, obedience, and they, of course, want eternal life. Basically, from my point of view as a psychiatrist, what I see is that every single one of them is primitive enough and psychopathic enough to want infantile gratification. And what WHO has planned and is implementing is basically the wet dream of every dictator forever. They just didn't have the science to get there. Sun Tzu tells us an evil enemy will burn his own nation to the ground to rule over the ashes. Think about it as a psychopath will burn his own nation to the ground to rule over the ashes. And these people are most assuredly psychopaths. We are committed to our survival. The enemy, and they are the enemy, the enemy is committed to our destruction. Please hold that in mind. Well, how can they do that? Why would anybody do that? Because they're trying to destroy us. Sun Tzu said a kingdom. And think of this as your body, your family, your neighborhood, your life, your, your social structure, your, uh, your reality, your genetics. A kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come back again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. So if they genocide us as they are already genociding us, that can't be undone. And they're working very hard to do a great deal more of it. So I asked myself, how could this possibly be happening? Every country in the world has ascribed, has, has signed on to Agenda 21, which is now Agenda 2030. Every medical system in the world is pushing the COVID jabs, even though they know perfectly well what those damn things are doing. Every media outlet in the world has participated in perpetuating and, and propagating the propagandemic. Every public health agency in the world has said, we're going to ignore the danger signals in these jabs. We're going to implement lockdowns and masking with no science, with only destruction possible. How is that possible? Well, when you look for a way to understand a very large phenomenon, it's often helpful to follow the Maguire Principle. 
Where's the money? Hmm. And if you start looking at the money, you see that it's all, it's all been carefully envisioned, planned, financed, implemented by exquisitely well orchestrated and explicitly identified for this purpose, social, societal, educational, medical, public health, governmental, and international manipulations. And it's gone on over generations. It was initiated by and is um, uh, manipulated by primarily one family. This is staggering information. And here you see the senior and junior members of the first gener- first two generations of that family in about 1915, John D. Rockefeller Sr. and his son, John D. Rockefeller Jr. And they have an astonishing array of interlocking uh, foundations and, and trusts and, and organizations, and they interlock together and they do all kinds of beneficent things using, oh, such beautiful language, just like WHO and the United Nations and UNESCO and all the others do. It's kind of a word magic where they make words mean whatever they want and they pick the nicest sounding ones. And they have all kinds of public-private partnerships. And by the way, the head of the Rockefeller Foundation today is a former head of USAID. And of course, there is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, whose first name was the Bill and Melinda Gates Institution for Population Reduction. So, you know, that's the track they're on. John D. Rockefeller Sr., was the founder of Standard Oil Company and the creator of all of these institutions while he was alive, Rockefeller Institute, Rockefeller Foundation, um, and a whole bunch of other interlocking um, supposedly philanthropic organizations. He was the f- world's first billionaire, and he was also the first guy to realize that he could use money to buy entire societies, call it philanthropy. The Rockefeller Institute, now the Rockefeller University, was founded in 1901 with, quote, the purpose of the corporation is medical research with special reference to the prevention and treatment of disease. Uh Uh-huh. In 1913, the Rockefeller Foundation was created created with more beautiful sounding words to promote the well-being of mankind throughout the world. I mean, who could argue with that? Isn't that nice? The Rockefeller Foundation initiated using a lot, was initiated using a lot of money, $100 million in 1913, and then another 25 mil a couple of years later, and another 183 million a little bit later over the next 17 years, and all devoted to the advancement of knowledge with research as the chief tool. Oh, how lovely. Now, how much is that in today's money? It's a cool seven bill. What does seven billion dollars buy you? It buys you control of everything that you can lay your, your eyes on. And I, the term philanthropy, pathological philanthropy or predatory philanthropy should be used here. They use their vast wealth under the guise of humanitarian interests to create a global full-spectrum dominance control mechanism 
Now, that was their intention. They said that. They clearly articulated that that was what they wanted to do. And they roped in their other millionaire buddies. They roped in the Carnegie Foundation and the Ford Foundation. And they roped in all the other rich people that they could, the the Vanderbilts. They got them all involved in this philanthropy. Disguised as philanthropy, they developed a complex infiltration and control system. They used direct establishment of things and funding of institutions. They supported causes like women's suffrage. Now, who could argue with women's suffrage? I think it's a great thing. But they supported it specifically to destroy the integrity of the nuclear family. Uh, they had training and they placed scientists and policymakers in various Physicians, after they trained them, they promoted promising players like we'll see Henry Kissinger, and they marketed political, economic, and social ideas through social engineering intentionally to weaken the family system and control society, depopulate it, and manipulate it. They supported studies, schools, and projects in All kinds of things, natural sciences, social sciences, medical science, arts and humanities, public health, international relations, agriculture, education, revolutions, wars, revolutions. Yes, John D. Rockefeller Jr. financed the Bolshevik Revolution. Their buddies, the the Rothschilds, financed Mao. Uh, Together, the U.S. industrialists, including the the family of uh, uh, Roosevelt, sitting president during World War II, financed Hitler's rise and trained him and armed him. They don't care. These these monsters don't care about national groups or religious groups or racial groups. They are only interested in their own kind of domination. They supplied the the money and um intellectual power for eugenics. And it was John D. Rockefeller Jr. who introduced eugenics into Germany with the Kaiser Wilhelm Institutes. Kaiser Wilhelm, long before Hitler. They brought about involuntary sterilization legislation and practice in the United States to the tune of hundreds of thousands of people involuntarily sterilized here in the U.S. And they worked very hard on population control and depopulation as part of their eugenics program and are still doing so. They created diseases. They disseminated diseases. Guatemala is still in a multi-billion dollar lawsuit with the Rockefeller Foundation, Rockefeller University, and the U.S. government for the diseases they disseminated there. Uh, to to sterilize their and kill their population. Genetic engineering, very much so. International law and public policy, we'll get to that in a moment. They supported studies in diminished rational thinking skills. They supported uh, what was called progressive education to take fact and reasoning out of education and to replace it with feelings. I think feelings belong in education, but not at the expense of mathematics and science. They used it that way. They normalized pedophilia. 
and they they worked very hard to normalize sexual aberration. They supported the work of Kinsey, who was a fake scientist, uh, who was saying it was perfectly okay for children to have uh, sexual contact. And if you look around at what's happening with transgender and pedophilia normalization, you see that this is absolutely the linear um, extension of their intentional program to do that. They degraded food quality. Their their green revolution was nothing but an attempt to take over the entire genetic matrix and denutritionalize food. Codex Alimentarius is weaponizing food with their science. Their increase in chronic degenerative diseases, well, they own the pharmaceutical industry, so that's good business. And the destruction of natural medicines, long-time story that's been known for a long time by many. They're, they supported the eugenics, the eugenics records office along with the Carnegie Foundation at Cold Spring Harbor, which was very instrumental in keeping lots of people out of the United States. For example, Hitler wrote Franklin Delano Roosevelt, one of his funders and a friend, a letter saying, I will send you all the Jews of Europe. I'll just put them on ships. You can have them all. But because of the eugenics record office in Cold Spring Harbor saying, no, no, these are racially inferior people. Franklin Delano Roosevelt wrote back and said, why would I accept Europe's awful? Europe's awful. That was six million of our relatives, whether you're Jewish or not. They're human beings. They're your relatives. The Kaiser Wilhelm Institute of Anthropology, Human Heredity and Eugenics, also known as the Max Planck Institute for Medical Research, was supported by this same group of philanthropists. And then after the war, when that didn't go so well, something had to be done to protect the Nazi eugenicists. And so the Refugee Scholar Program was set up by these same good-hearted people, and they brought thousands upon thousands of Nazi eugenics, quote, scientists to the United States, gave them jobs, set up institutions for them to work at. And they had a huge impact on exactly what we're living out now, where it seems like it's okay to kill a lot of people because there are too many of us. Only when when people say we need to reduce the human population, I say, okay, you go first. And somehow that's never interesting to them. They set up this emergency committee for the aid of displaced foreign scholars. They put them in the new school in New York and other places. They set up the Population Council. That's the Depopulation Council, folks. That was created by John D. Rockefeller III and John Foster Dulles, formerly of the CIA. He did some good things, the Lincoln Center for the Performing Arts. They also set up set up the International Maize or Corn and Wheat Improvement Center. In other words, we're going to take over and destroy the nutritional integrity and availability and growing capacity of corn and wheat. And we'll do the same thing with rice. The stories are horrifying. And they created transgenic crops. And they, of course, invested heavily in vaccines and virology. And you see where that's going. The Rockefeller Institute for Medical Institute, the Rockefeller Foundation, something most people have never heard of, the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial. That's very important. We'll get to that in a minute. The Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial was named after John D. Rockefeller Sr.'s wife, and 
just as the Rockefeller Institute and University and Foundation took over medicine, so the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial Institution took over government and created public health and created government that could only see in the way that it was strained to see. They set up something called the General Election Board. I'm sorry, the General General Education Board to completely unhinge any content from education. And the Council on Foreign Relations, you probably know what that does. They also set up the University of Chicago. Now, John D. Rockefeller Sr. devoted half a billion dollars in the period between 1855 and 1934 to medical research. And they founded something called the International Health Board, which was an independent organization. The International Health Board did all kinds of wonderful things and engaged with government agencies and created something called the Sanitary Commission for the Eradication of Hookworm Disease in 14 U.S. states. Who could argue with eliminating hookworm? Except what they were doing was getting their hooks in to the governmental medical control system. And they did this, and then they created the International Health Division. And they decided to do the same thing for malaria, yellow fever, hookworm in Europe, the U.S., Latin America, the Caribbean, France, Venezuela, Mexico, Puerto Rico, 52 countries on six continents and 29 islands. And what they were doing was not curing hookworm, yellow fever, malaria. What they were doing was taking control of the Higher medical, scientific, and regulatory apparatus in each of these countries quite intentionally. The World Health Organization, this monstrous killer body, was directly modeled on the International Health Division that they created. And what they used it for and are using it for now is the globalization of medical personnel and practices. They give money but they only give money if you think and act and behave and promulgate what they want you to. Otherwise, they take your money away. The National Science Foundation, the National Institutes of Health, and the Food and Drug Administration are all directly modeled on the programs that they said, here, use these models, do it this way, think this way. And of course, this is the international gold standard because we said it was and we have the propaganda and public relations to make it so. They curated and crafted Funded and influenced NGOs, AstroTurf organizations, we call them today, a huge number of them. They gave them money. They said, here, do your good work this way. Do your good work that way. Think the other way. You're not thinking our way. No more money. Then they went to China. In 1914, they said, China's good. Let's go take over China. And they encouraged the study of medicine and hygiene and Chinese medical schools, hospitals and nursing schools, completely taking over their mindset and their their practice set because they had drugs to sell and because they have a, had a government system to infiltrate. In 1919, whoops, go back, 1919, the Peking Union Medical College was set up along with its pre-medical schools. And in 1920, the Division of Medical Education started making large groups for the development of, and this is so important, people. Nobody has said this before, but it's so important. They were setting up medical centers in places all over the world, but along with the medical centers, 
They were also setting up schools of public health. They created the industry of public health to get to where we are today. And Gates is just a, a perfectly good disciple of the Rockefeller model. You gain control of a product, let's say vaccines, for example. You set up and fund and market a structure to consume your product, like the world medical system. And you capture the regulatory structures to coerce and mandate your product. And you call it all philanthropy. It's not philanthropy. It's world domination. And since these people are all eugenicists and have at the the very core elimination of most of humanity, enslavement of the rest at the genetics level, then it's not a very good model to follow. And they keep on doing this all over the world. There are fellowships for medical and public health education globally. Between 1914 and 1919, the Rockefeller Foundation contributed 22 million, 22 and a half million dollars to all kinds of worthy organizations, which means they took control of them. After the First World War, they gave money to war-torn countries like poor Belgium, like Armenia, Syria, Serbia. What were they doing with that money? They were being praised and seen as saviors, but they were taking control of their educational, medical, and governmental systems. Why? To get to where we are today. The Rockefeller Foundation gave major financial support for research, like serum for healing wounds. Well, that's good. And the public administration of government activities. Oh, what could be wrong with that? And... The the uh, Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial Organization took over government and they started teaching countries around the world because they had infinite resources how to deal with information among in, among officials and government bodies, how to share it, how to how to handle it, how to suppress it, how to. And they showed this as modern governance, implementation of modern administrative methods and technology. Come on into the 20th century, folks. Come on into the new world. We'll help you. Creation of Social Science Research Council, a very bad organization. And they founded multiple university departments and social science research centers to learn how to control populations. That was the whole point of it. In 1921, the Laura Spellman Rockefeller Memorial was folded back up into the Rockefeller Foundation. They were making grants to medical schools. They had an elite level. Johns Hopkins, Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and then the and University of Chicago, and then they had the regular level. For instance, Mahari Medical College, which was for Negroes. They didn't like Negroes. They didn't like Jews. They didn't like others, as they defined it, which is pretty much everybody. They only got 150,000, but Rock of Rochester University, man, they got five mil. Vanderbilt got four mil, and they kept making more and more grants. Not a whole lot to Mahari. This is very important. In 1913, 1913, 110 years ago, they set up a 20-year support program for the Bureau of Social Hygiene. That's eugenics, people to conduct research and education on birth control, maternal health, and sex education, which intentionally, explicitly merged the eugenics agenda with what we 
have learned, we have been taught to call public health, and it is really public destruction. The entire public health industry was created by these people in the same way that the allopathic industry was elevated by these people because it serves their purposes, and their purposes are our destruction and subjugation. In 1914, the China Medical Board which they set up, established the first public health university in China. Remember, I mentioned the Peking Union Medical College, which started teaching medicine five years later. Well, they started teaching public health first because that was more important. You control the world through public health. You disseminate what you tell them. It's okay to disseminate through the medical system. But the public health system is a control system designed to do exactly what Fauci did with AIDS and designed to do exactly what Fauci did with COVID and will do with anything else that they choose to if we let them. We shouldn't let them. They established international fellowships to train postdoctoral level scholars. These are the people who then control the departments and the the universities and the government agencies. And so, so they're brainwashing people and money washing them and putting them in place all over the world to control what is allowed and what is not. And Richard, you just did, you you lived through a PhD program where the only requirement was that you say what they wanted you to say and you think what they wanted you to think. Is that not true? Yeah, we were right with the public health masters being trained. And uh, we had, a. this could be a long discussion, but just to mention, we had a big meeting at the school for, uh, learning why vaccines were the essential uh, element for public health for the immediate and lasting future. I was the only person out of about 500 that didn't agree with the whole premise, and everybody was uh, focused on how to eradicate me as soon as possible. So it was and you were severely punished by the administration, by the students, etc., for yeah. holding your, your opinion forth publicly. And that's because this entire system has been set up in order to eradicate any contrary belief. Yeah, or or any critical thinking at all whatsoever. Any critical thinking whatsoever. So, so successful. Um, In 1927, they created, captured, and weaponized public health and established multiple schools of public health around the world. 25 million for establishing public health schools in the U.S. and 21 foreign countries, and that was only the beginning. Then the eugenics record office in Cold Spring Harbor was carrying out eugenics policies in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world. Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, wrote in her private letters that her goal was the elimination of the Negro race. The eugenicists Ford and uh, Carnegie and Rockefellers, one and all, couldn't have been happier with that. And they, so they supported Planned Parenthood. By the way, I must tell you, personally, as a woman and as a human being, I believe in reproductive freedom. I do not believe in eugenics. Um, they popularized, lobbied for, and supported involuntary sterilization of the unfit in the U.S., resulting, as I told you, in hundreds of thousands of forced sterilization, mostly against women, but not entirely. They support 
and rescued thousands of eugenic science scientists before, during, and after World War II. One of those scientists that they supported in the early years before World War II actually went, as they say, kinetic or hot, was a young doctor named Adolf Eichmann, who had a history of his own thereafter. There was a guy named Alexis Carroll. Compulsory sterilization and eugenics was his thing. They loved him. They supported him abundantly. And in 26, they made a $400,000 donation to the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Eugenics and were supporting separately hundreds of their eugenics researchers. In 1925 to 35, $3 million for funding these eugenicists. And then the war broke out somewhere along there, and they still continued their support. In 1936, it was still the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute, and that was another half mil. In 1950s, I seem to remember that World War II was over after Sometime before that, in the 1950s, they continued to fund research based on German eugenics, which was, of course, Rockefeller eugenics. And in fact, in 1951, John D. Rockefeller III and Alan Dulles of the CIA, as I mentioned before, actually founded the Population Council, quote, to advance family planning, birth control, population control, and the goals of the eugenics movement. It could not be more explicit, could it? Early support for Henry Kissinger, a noted genocidal monster, including his directorship of the international seminars while he was a graduate student at Harvard, and they shared funding of that with the CIA. And uh, they also sponsored, while he was uh, in graduate school, his foreign policy magazine called Confluence. What wonderful, generous people. Rajiv Shah, who is an MD and a former director of the USAID program, a not good organization, who is now the president of the Rockefeller Foundation, was forced by the 2021 a conference called the uh, Anti-Eugenics Project, which is as much a whitewash as anything you can find, said that they finally had to make a statement about eugenics for the first time. And they said, and I think it's worth reading, quote, we commend the anti-eugenics project, which we're funding, for their essential work to understand the harmful legacies of eugenicist ideologies. We examine the role that philanthropies played, like us, in developing and perpetuating eugenics policies and practices. The central role, as a matter of fact. The Rockefeller Foundation is currently reckoning with our own history in relation to eugenics. Yeah, well, the world is reckoning with its own history in relation to the Rockefeller Foundation and eugenics. And we are reckoning with it now, for we are in an iatrogenic holocaust that they have been party to creating. The Rockefeller Foundation is putting, I love this, oh, Equity and inclusion. Everybody gets to be killed, maybe. I don't know. Equity and inclusion at the center of all our work, confronting the hateful legacies of the past. We understand, says Rajiv Shah, that the work we engage in today does not absolve us of yesterday's mistakes. Doesn't say anything about we're really sorry for yesterday's mistakes and we're trying to undo them. It just says, ah, we got caught. 
So, in the end, Agenda 20 whatever, whether it's Agenda 21 or 2030 or 2050, it's all the same thing. It's merely a new bottle that contains the old poison of eugenics and world domination to accomplish world domination. Brilliant, comprehensive, nimble, ruthless, long-range planning, incredibly well-funded, has very nearly successfully seized control of everything, of you, of me, of our genes, of our institutions, our governments, our systems, of health and education, etc. They have false but compelling cultural, scientific, educational, organizational, medical, religious, social, and biological truths which have been crafted to facilitate a total conquest of a compliant humanity. It's infinitely easier to control a compliant population than a rebellious one. The blueprint was fully developed by the first quarter of the 20th century. Total conquest couldn't be achieved until they had the science that they needed to do what they wanted to do. So they bought it. They simply bought it, and they controlled what the government funded, they controlled what the philanthropies funded, and they marched science in the direction of full-bore eugenics and genetic control. Thank you. International organizations and agreements have been crafted and created to fulfill the goal of total conquest of the planet by self-appointed ubermenschen, supermen. Sovereignty, informed consent, individuality, human rights, rule of law, natural law, and other such concepts are very meaningful to you and to me because we're normal people. But they have no meaning for these monsters. They see us as the untermenschen, worthless and to be disposed of or enslaved as they, the ubermenschen, see fit. We are coming close to the hope for conquest and destruction of humanity that they have laid their plans for from our genes outward into what they want, which is a bio-neuro-technico-spiritual subjugation. And they want us in an absolute slavery, which was consciously catalyzed, consciously brought into focus and planned in the late 19th and early 20th century using predatory philanthropy, and it is continuing into the present. Every evil thing that WHO and the United Nations and all the other ancillary uh, organizations connected with them does is wreathed in beautiful words, which goes along with the predatory philanthropy. WHO was created to be and is the primary engine of destruction through which this 140-year plan of total world domination is supposed to come about. There's no way to fix it. There's no choice if we want to preserve ourselves, our lives, our institutions, our genetics, our reproduction, our very humanity. There's no way to negotiate with it. The only answer is that every country that is aware of this, needs to exit the WHO and needs to become its own sovereign, reorganized organization looking for ways to be truly 
equitable and just and humane and human. And there are many such ways. It's all possible, but not if we stay in these organizations. Sun Tzu said, victory comes from finding opportunities and problems. We certainly have problems, but they're giving us opportunities. Like, for instance, a few days ago, they declared that children should be... um taught sexuality as early as possible and given adult sexual partners as part of their normal earliest childhood years. Well, that's an opportunity for us to say to people, are you listening? This is completely crazy, and we have to say no. They give us so many opportunities. And he pointed out rightly that the opportunity of defeating the enemy is provided by the enemy himself. Their hubris, their stupidity, their their evil will show through. We must just seize those opportunities. And then he said, once you seize an opportunity, there are always more. And it's true. Opportunities do multiply as they are seized. So the only thing that is worth fighting at this point is fighting to get out of the WHO because everything else is just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And they are the ones who have fired the torpedo at the Titanic. It's a huge undertaking. Every country in the world can can withdraw from WHO and all the related structures by simply getting the head of state to write a letter. That's easy. What's hard is getting it to actually get written. And that's what we have to do by generating political will. Sun Tzu said, go into emptiness, strike voids, bypass what he defends, hit him where he does not expect you. He does not expect us to take our countries out of WHO. And that is precisely what we must do. There is a website where you can do that. It's called preventgenocide2030.org. Preventgenocide2030.org. If you take a screenshot of this, this uh, QR code will give you my contact information. Write to me. Help us do this. Use the contact form on Prevent Genocide 2030. If we do not do this, they will win. If they win, humanity will be extinguished. Thank you. This is the part for the standing ovation, which is what (laughs) happened at the meeting itself, which is well-deserved. Um we have a couple of minutes before you have to go, Dr. Rima. So I'll ask a couple of questions. One is, uh, with respect to Rockefellers and everything starting in the, I would add in the current version, you know, because evil has been going on for a long time before the last few hundred years. But in the current version, if Rockefeller was a main starting point, how did John D. Sr. get his, his funding and his connections? Did he start uh- as a poor person or not? Well, he started as a simple person. I wouldn't say a poor person. He came of a, a humble uh, set of origins. His father was actually an herbalist and a salesperson. Uh, and he used homeopathic remedies and herbal remedies and, and uh, probably sold steak oil, which actually has some biologically beneficial uh, impact. Um, and then... John D. Rockefeller Jr. decided that he actually went to university, so he was an educated man, and that was quite unusual in those times. Um, 
And he decided that this new thing called petroleum had some potential. So right. he and um, a colleague of his, a, a friend of his named William Gates, not related in any way that I've been able to locate to uh, the William Gates who's trying to kill and subdue all of us, different William Gates. Um, he, they went into business, they formed a little company, and they got involved in an oil well in Pennsylvania, and they set up a refinery in Ohio. And they started chugging out oil. And that went well. It is rumored, and I cannot say that I know this to be either true or false, but it is rumored that he was so ruthless that his style uh, attracted approval from some Rothschild uh, agents in mm-hmm. the United States, and they pumped money in to help him go forward. I do not know if that's true or not. Could be. And so he began through uh, uh, ruthless uh, competitive practices and uh, ruthless labor exploitation. He was responsible for the, the infamous Ludlow ma- massacre in Ludlow, Massachusetts, horrendous uh, event in the history of labor. Um, he began acquiring more and more wealth until finally he either owned or controlled virtually the entire petroleum output in the United States and the world. And he just, he made a, a fatal error. He decided that the development of the internal combustion engine would never be sufficient to use up all his oil. So he sent agents around the world looking for alternative um, consumption pathways. And they discovered that in Germany, they were taking the goo left at the bottom of the cracking towers and refineries, the coal tar derivatives, and they were turning that into pharmaceuticals. And that led Rockefeller to by controlling interests in the world's pharmaceuticals, and then to set up allopathic medical schools to distribute this stuff, which nobody wanted otherwise. Okay, I was wondering about that. That all makes sense. And coal tar would be the perfect uh, foundation for modern medicine. Sure, because it's got all these these hydrocarbons, and it's also toxic, so it works real well. Right, yeah. (laughs) From a business perspective, it's brilliant, because it it has effect if you really get sophisticated with it. You can choose arrangements of the chemicals that seem to modify symptoms in the short run. Precisely. While they make you sicker later on. Precisely. And, and what, what a good business model that is. And yeah. vaccines are a great part of that business model because they seem to be good for you, or at least the, the lie is that they're good for you. They actually make you chronically ill or acutely ill. And then yeah. the, the same company gets, gets to sell you drugs for your chronic or acute illness. Yay! Isn't it amazing that the vast majority of the population, including most of the doctors, have come to believe safe and effective is true about vaccines? Even the ones who are calling out the danger of the COVID vaccine, most of them say, well, it's, you know, it's not really a vaccine. We all know that the regular vaccines are all safe and effective and saved humanity, and they're the reason that we're here today. The very existence of the vaccine um, market is a brilliant testament to the power of public relations. Because yeah. you can sell anything to anybody if you do it brilliantly enough. 
That it, was I fun. mean, think about it. Putting pus and poison into a body to make it healthy is so profoundly illogical that it makes your teeth hurt. Yeah, I noticed that. It is amazing, and it's still going on. And, you know, you you mentioned that the only thing really worth focusing on right now that's going on in the world that's an immediate threat is the WHO plan of domination. And I can see that because just taking one of their programs, the idea of hundreds of new mRNA vaccines and other kinds after that, and forcing people to take them is the end of resistance. So I can re- I can and, really hear what you're saying. And all current vaccines are being reformulated into mRNA platforms. Yeah, they have so many and, advantages. And the Fraud and Death Administration has decided that they're not going to require any safety testing, maybe to spare the lives of uh, the eight mice cohorts who were used for the booster testing uh maybe that and that was the only safety testing that was done maybe they want to spare the lives of mice but now no safety testing is required no matter what goes into these horrible witches brews well that means they can be available faster to save humanity and be safer and more effective. Now, the question is safe and effective. What does that mean? If safe means without, uh, without risk of failure, we can get rid of lots more human beings. And if effective means, uh, we're knocking off people in ways that are productive for our business model, they are safe and effective. Yes. If it means good for <clears throat> people and disease prevention, well, of course, that's ridiculous. And they're safe in the sense of liability protection. Right. They're absolutely, totally safe because none of the companies have any liability anywhere in the world. What a deal. Right. Yeah. It, it's. I think it's just, we're talking about the doctors believing in safe and effective. It's just emotionally difficult to grasp the magnitude of the deception that most of us have fallen for. Here's my message to every other licensed healthcare professional in the world. I am a licensed healthcare professional. I know what, what it takes to get that license and I know what it takes to keep that license. Okay. Right. Here's my message. Deal with it. Put on your big boy or your big girl panties and face up to the fact that you are actively killing people through your acts of omission, and through your acts of commission. And if you don't deal with that, you don't deserve to be a licensed health professional. You don't deserve to be a person serving anyone for any purpose on this planet. You're a big boy. You're a big girl. And if you can't handle the fact that you've been misled and lied to and you went along with it and put your moral boots on, and wade through the waters of, of the sewer that you've been living in, then you don't deserve to be part of our system. Yeah, it's not too late to change. And part of grasping that magnitude is not just with uh, vaccines, it's with toxic chemicals in general. Absolutely, that everything called, that you've been doing. That are called medicine. Yes, Right. And sometime when we have time in the future, we'll go back and look at what you told us, uh, a story from a person working for one of the major drug dealers, uh, that they didn't have any of their, uh, what do they call them, candidate chemicals approved for patenting. And it's because of the lack of a, a suitable side effect profile, right? They didn't cause enough harm. 
And that individual who was a research biochemist went on to create a remarkable adaptogenic molecule that I would love to talk to you about on another program. We should do that for sure. The other thing is in, in, in line with this idea that getting out of the WHO is the main in fact, the only worthwhile full major focus for right now. How does that tie into the fact that um, we're really in danger of nuclear war and the same rulers that are behind everything what you're talking about are trying to push that because they're ready with their underground cities and they think it could be a strategically good idea to start? Well, if you... If you remember, a number of years ago, Richard, I wrote an article called Pity the Poor Genocidalists because human beings are distressingly resilient and they have all these adaptive systems and immunological capabilities. And um, it's really hard to kill billions and billions of people. And they were trying one virus after another, one vaccine after another. They tried a whole bunch of different things. They've been weaponizing our food. They've been weaponizing our skies and our water. And and still people are reproducing less and less now. And they are still alive. um, It must be so stressful for those. It must be poor, poor babies. It must be so hard. They try so hard. So if you could, if you could precipitate a nuclear war, you're going to get rid of a lot of people and you're going to make a lot of agricultural and residential land totally uninhabitable. And a lot of people are going to die. Well, as I said on a slide earlier in my presentation, we are interested in our survival and they are interested in our destruction. And whom would a nuclear war serve? Well, it would serve people who are trying to get rid of hundreds of millions to billions of people and subjugate the rest. That would work pretty well. Right. So so how does that fit into the idea that, and I agree that we focus on the WHO, everybody should follow the action item every day on preventgenocide2030.org, but at the same time, should we be doing any, is there anything we can do other than that to reduce yes. or eliminate the chance of the nuclear Absolutely. war. Absolutely. You must tell everyone you can reach on social media and in emails and in conversations. You must tell everyone that you can reach what's actually going on. Some of them will scoff at you and tell you that you're a conspiracy theorist. And you right. might tell them, no, no, I'm a conspiracy factist. This is all uh, uh, very real. Um but keep saying it and keep sharing the information. There's a great deal of resource information on uh, Prevent Genocide 2030, by the way. Share it all. Um, keep telling them what the reality is so that they, too, will begin to understand that just mindlessly supporting this left-right, red-blue theater, right. red theater is insanely meaningless and that we need to show the political leaders that we have no confidence in them and they have no authority to make life and death decisions for us. And that will cause them, if we, if millions and millions of us do that, that will in fact cause them to back off. It uh, always does. So it's not left, right, it's life, death. It's life, death, precisely. And both sides, both the the blue and the red are aligned with the power system and the control 
The fact that they're playing yeah. theatrical uh, games doesn't mean that that isn't the reality. Well, the existence of parties at all has no benefit that I can see whatsoever. Exactly. Total distraction. Um, we gave you three minutes to get to your next meeting. I hope that's going to work. But uh, uh, yes, it's exactly the amount of time that I need. Thank you. I'm I'm so appreciative of the opportunity to talk with you, Richard. And thank you, Doug. Uh, it, it's always a pleasure. Nice to see you again, Rima. Let's do a show quickly. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay, you guys. There goes Dr. Rima Labo, uh, MD, incredible doctor, uh, somebody who understands about health and disease and life and death and the fact that you don't use toxic chemicals to get healthy, whether you inject them into your arm or other parts of your body or you swallow them in pill form, it doesn't really make any difference. Well, it does make a difference. They're sometimes worse and more devastating when they're injected and the liability protection is better. But the whole thing is generally the same principle that she was talking about. And this organization, uh, the World Holocaust Organization that the presentation was focused on, has used the idea of killing people by philanthropy and public health and organized it to an extent that hasn't been seen before. And it's all focused on getting ready for the next uh, declared pandemics, which are put together with no basis whatsoever that's real. There are people being harmed and being killed and getting sick, but the pandemic is just declared. And now with the regulations that she's talked about before, in the last time she was on in particular, uh, being amended, one of the things it allows is that you can suspect or have a likely public health emergency, and it's just as much uh, justification for action in terms of taking over the the legal system and the enforcement in every member country as if a real pandemic happened. And anything that's tested using tests in the category of PCR procedures is completely made up anyway. Carrie Mullis, who conveniently died right before the last pandemic, which is kind of worth investigation, I think, uh, said very clearly, and it's still on online, that PCR can't be used to test or diagnose anything. No disease, no virus, no no bacteriological disease, no any. It's not a diagnostic tool. So it's perfect for anybody that wants to declare a fake pandemic and prove it, saying they just set the test to come out positive and they've got their proof. So that's you can bet that they'll use tests like that to show the devastation from the next pandemic, which could be at any point. And Fauci and Bill Gates and others have been announcing that the new pandemics are coming. So before that happens, which could be at any time, because all they have to do is declare it. It needs no basis. It's very important to get out of WHO and get out of UN, which is the parent organization of WHO and WEF and all the others, and have your country have no part of it, so they have no legal basis to take over the enforcement. Once they force inject everybody, then it's very difficult to get freedom back at that point once your DNA is corrupted. There are ways that are being worked on. Uh, EDTA has been talked about and other uh, remedies for what happens to the blood of people who are both vaccinated and sometimes the the people who are around them that are unvaccinated. Uh, we've had doctors that, uh, in videos that we posted to lostartsradio.com recently, 
that we're getting good results in particular from ADTA, but a lot of, a lot of people are working on good, uh, alternative ways to reclaim health after mistakenly or forcibly getting the COVID vaccines. And the same thing will apply in the future for the vaccines that they decide to force. And there's hundreds of those in development and waiting. So there's a showdown coming. And it's going to really come down to a question of uh, consciousness. How awake are people to just say no? Or as Dr. Remus says, don't you dare. Those are her most important three words, I think, that she's been bringing up for years and years. Um, anyway, her the action item that she provided <clears throat> takes us out of the realm of theory and into the uh, arena of actual a practical action that you can take, preventgenocide2030.org. And I asked her if the same person can do that repeatedly. And her answer the last time we talked was, uh, yeah, you should do it every day. And it's really important. And people can say, you know, their first reaction to this suggestion could be, well, we it's not going to do anything to just send an email. They can say, well, thanks for your email. We don't care. But that's not what happens. And I, I was kind of surprised to find this out myself that, uh, in 2009, when they threatened to do the same thing with the swine flu and they were ready to kill so many people with the swine flu vaccine, it was Dr. Rima's, uh, Natural Solutions Foundation, along with General Bird and Ralph Fisatilla, JD, that got the program together with computer software to arrange for everybody to easily have access to quickly send emails refusing any of it, any involvement with the, with the swine flu vaccine to all the relevant officials, supposed so-called representatives. And millions and millions and millions of those emails came in and they said, Oh, um, okay. I guess we won't have a pandemic then. And that's amazing to me because I would have expected them to just force it and and not care. But apparently they're not ready to just do all this by blatant force against complete public uh, outrage. So the best solution to uh, the coming pandemics and forced vaccines and forced lockdowns and all these things that the WHO has given itself uh, authority to carry out and enforce in every member country uh, the best alternative right now that could work quickly is preventgenocide2030.org, at least the best one that I've heard of. So I would recommend taking that action item, and I'll be doing it myself along with you. I think that's about it. And I had, there were other questions that came up that I would have asked, but her time was just enough to give the presentation, and I'm really glad that she got to do it. So my press, my request to you would be to take this and share it with all the people who didn't get to go to the meeting in uh, Southern California and make sure everybody has a chance to take a look at it. A lot of people are open enough at this point to realize something's going on that's not in the New York Times and on CNN and all the mainstream news and now totally exposed as corrupt Fox News and all the others that are out there giving misinf- real misinformation, trying to censor the rest of us. So it's important to share this presentation from Dr. Rima as widely as you can. Maybe share it with some people who have large networks themselves and see how far out you can get it. Uh, because the more resistance, the better. And then 
the prescription that David Icke and Chris Guy and others have suggested of peaceful mass noncompliance starts to have more meaning and more depth when countries refuse to comply or the governments controlling countries refuse to comply with, with organizations that have no justification for being like WHO and UN so many other supranational organizations. And I know I've recent, I'll shut up in a minute. This is supposed to be a short end part here, but I wanted to mention that a lot of people have told me that it really doesn't matter what the government does because there shouldn't be a government and we should have anarchy and it's all illegitimate and on and on and on. But anarchy doesn't work in an unconscious population. What happens is the void is filled by rival gangs and they take over just like the cartels control Mexico right now. Uh, anarchy is a situation that can work where there's a conscious population that won't hurt each other because they understand that we're all connected together. And if you deceive or harm other people intentionally, you're harming yourself so you don't do it. In that kind of a situation, there's no need for government that I can think of. But if you've noticed, looked around in the world that we live in now, we're not quite in that situation yet. So it's really important what the governments do. And they've got control of the weapons and the authority and the money. And as long as that's the case, then uh, what we do in response to their proposed actions has a huge impact on the future. And it still comes down to the consciousness of the population because the, the real power in the physical moves that we make comes from the consciousness we're coming from. If we're just in the mind, mind-controlled zombie mode that education from preschool up to MD and PhD education is trying to teach us now, in other words, just follow orders and don't think for yourself, then there's no system that's going to work and it's doomed for destruction. But to the degree that we can be waked up and say, wait a minute, you know, who am I? I'm not just a zombie and not just a mindless soldier that follows orders and kills whoever he or she is told. We're responsible for what we do and we have massive power in what we decide then there's hope for the future and there's a guarantee that it's going to turn out better. So I'm encouraging you to do that. Main thing to do is take these actions that are possible wherever you can and work with yourself. See where you can become a more awake, functioning, responsible human being. Become aware of the thoughts and the emotional fields that you carry around. Dr. Rima mentioned that I think what she said is she believes feelings are important in education Emotional consciousness is really important in life. That's why in higher education they teach you that emotional uh, awareness is ridiculous, it's superficial, it's subjective, it's subject to error, and you should get it out of your life. It's because at the top they know the opposite is true. So you're, you're walking around in a certain field of emotional reality. Become conscious of what it is, see if it's what you want to be sharing, because it's being broadcast everywhere. We're working a lot with that in Planetary Healing Club, and you're welcome to participate if you want. That's on the level of consciousness, planetaryhealingclub.com, and we're there live every Saturday U.S. time. But on the outside level, actions like preventgenocide2030.org are really critical, and I'm encouraging you to join me in supporting Dr. Remus' work. What else? Um 
I think that's about it. We'll have this on all the platforms that don't censor us. And the typical reminder will be for you if you're a, a YouTube user to uh, check out the person that we're censoring that's too dangerous for you to hear. That's Dr. Labo. And I'm glad you made it over here to find it. So take care and uh, have a good week. We're soon to unveil other projects that are in the works now. And uh, we'll talk to you shortly. Take care.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. 